If, uh, if you'll turn your Bibles, and it's one of those nights again where uh, because of our sermon series and the nature of it, it's a little topical. We're going to be in a, in a few different places. Um, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4 if you'd like, or uh, I'd also encourage you to ch- turn to uh, Colossians chapter 3, either one. But we began a series last week called Wonderful Counseling as we seek to provide biblical answers to everyday questions. That's what this series is about, biblical answers to everyday questions. And the, the first issue that we addressed last week was anger. And uh, for, the, for the sake of review, for those of you that, that were not uh, present last week, anger is, these are some of the questions that we answered. A- anger is not a sin, anger is an emotion. Anger is an emotion given to us by God to signal when something is, is not right, when something is wrong. That's why God gives us anger, and it's not the emotion of anger that we are accountable to per se, it's the expression of anger that we are accountable for. It's the expression of anger that when it is left um, without the restraints of God's Word and God's Spirit, it's that expression that can lead us to sinful thoughts, actions, and attitudes, words, and deeds. And so when, when anger in the emotion leads to anger in the expression and it gets outside the bounds of God's Word and God's Spirit, you don't have anger, anger has you. That is the, uh, that's the teaching from last week. Now, what we want to do tonight is basically take a step back before last week. Uh, And this is interesting tonight because I know a lot of you in here are um, followers of Jesus that help people. You either help followers, other followers of Jesus, or you are helping people to become followers of Jesus. And uh, I say that we're going to take a step back because what we want to accomplish this week is instead of providing biblical counsel on another issue, which we will do that as we move forward in this series, uh, what we want to do tonight is to provide biblical counseling on biblical counseling. Uh, Many of you have been asked by one person or another uh, a question that is relative to their spiritual life. Or maybe they've asked you because they know you and love you and appreciate you. They're asking you questions about how you can help with their spiritual development, or maybe it's just a problem within relationships, or it's an emotional stress, or whatever, what have you, uh, you, you've been asked to provide biblical counseling. Some of you, the idea of giving counsel to another uh, on, on the behalf of the Lord, it, it may scare you to death, and maybe you've got all these feelings of I'm unqualified, or whatever it is, but if it's just the pastor and staff's responsibility to minister effectively, then you're going to miss a ton of people. And so if it's the pastor and staff's responsibility to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which it says in Ephesians 4.12, then a great part of the work of the ministry is providing counsel to people dealing with everyday problems. That is ministry. That happens quite often here at the church during the week with with uh, people that are in our congregation. It happens with people right off the street that are seeking answers for everyday problems or questions. And not only is it everyday problems or questions, but it's also eternal decisions that we help with according to the Word of God. The scripture that gives us the instruction for pastors to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right after that in Ephesians 4, 12, right after 4, 12 is 4, 13, and it says this, meaning the equipping of the saints, will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 
So that's not pastors, that's not staff, that's not deacons, that's not missionaries, that's everybody who is a follower of Jesus will all come together in such unity of faith in Christ, belief that he is God and has the right to tell us what to do and what is right and wrong, and that we will all come together in the unity of the knowledge of our Savior, that we will all grow to maturity and measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So it's God's desire that we not all just be on the same page about our doctrines. It is God's desire that we be on the same page going in the same direction, that we are heading towards the same destination, that we are on the same road. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. That was written to the church, not just to leaders. Lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Lord, we just pray tonight, Father, simply and seriously, thanking you for this time where we can stop and rest and hear your word in your sanctuary. God, that you would equip us for the work that is to be done when we leave. Lord, I believe that there are likely uh, more than just a handful in here tonight that have been approached for a counsel, and maybe some are dealing with an issue right now, some of them needing counsel for themselves, and others, Lord, that uh, have not yet to be asked, but they surely will. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you would prepare us, equip us tonight, use this, Lord, whether it be our children that ask us or someone, one of our neighbors or someone we don't even know. God, I pray, Father, that we would be a light in this world in the darkness. God, that you would equip us for the work of the ministry, that we would grow in maturity tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, continuing that thought, what, we ask the question of what does God know that we should know? If, if we, and when I ask that question, what I mean is, is if God says the role of a pastor and shepherd is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and that we're all to grow up in unity of faith and knowledge of Jesus, what is it that God is trying to get us to understand? And I truly believe in that passage is that an office full of pastors can meet a handful of needs. They can do a lot. But a sanctuary full of Christians can do a lot in the community. And we can minister to a ton of folks. And when we, again, your neighbors don't have a clue who I am but they know who you are. Your family members, they don't know any of our pastoral staff or they don't know anybody here that's on our counseling team, but they know who you are. And so that, that's what God would lead us to, to understand tonight is that we are all to come to such unity that we will be mature in ministry. And when we are equipped and when we're mature, there's more evangelism, there's more discipleship, more biblical counseling. And this is why pastors are not called to do the ministry. They are called to equip saints for the work of the ministry. Now, that does not mean that pastors work themselves out of a job because they too are first Christians, called first to Jesus, to be equipped themselves. But the, places, uh, the place of emphasis here is, is not glorifying the leaders. It's building up the body. It is multiplying leaders so that God will get the glory for the work that he does in all of us. And the idea of providing one biblical counsel, as I said before, it may seem a bit overwhelming if you think so. And then anytime I'm in a place where I think something's overwhelming, you're in a good place to trust the Lord. Amen? You're in a good place to step out on faith. And tonight, this would also help you with some next steps as uh, we'll become very practical here in just a moment. But as we did last week, if we're seeking biblical answers, we're going to give you some questions to think about. And the first question tonight is, am I supposed to counsel? As a Christian, this, is this something I'm supposed to do, that I'm required to do, that I should do? Is, is biblical counseling, counseling a mandate? 
Is this something that I'm supposed to be doing? Is it something that is a good work according to the scripture? Is this an act of service that I need to complete as a follower of Jesus? And here's what I would answer, how I would answer this question of, am I supposed to, am I supposed to counsel? You're not supposed to counsel, you're supposed to shine. And when you shine, those who are covered up with problems of darkness, they'll come to the light. So let me say that one more time. Of the question, am I supposed to counsel, you're supposed to shine. And when you shine, those in darkness will seek you out. So tonight, in, in preparation for this, I asked some of uh, the, the current and also former leaders in our church that have done a ton of counseling here. I've asked them to give me just a few insights along the way and uh, provide some, some ministry experience uh, thoughts that, that will help you as you counsel others. And here are a couple of those thoughts that apply to this point. One, one said, if someone seeks you out, listen to this, if someone seeks you out, that means that on some level, they see that you love God and you love people. If somebody comes to you, it means that they see that you have a relationship with God, want to hear from you because of that relationship. Another said the following, others asked for help from us because of what God was doing in our life. So because of what God was doing in the life of one family, Another family took notice and went to that family for instruction or counsel on what they should do in certain situations. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, verse 16. This is 16a, which will be the first half of this verse. The Bible says, let the message about Jesus or let the message about Christ, the Messiah, in all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now, notice the order of operations. Again, we could do this system series that we're doing on Sunday morning, we could do it all year long. Because you notice the order of operations. The message fills the life of a Christian first, and then second, teaching and counseling flow out from that. First is the filling of the Christian with the word of God. Second is the counseling and the teaching that is to follow. The message about Christ that it says there in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, when it says, let the message about Jesus and all its richness fill your lives. The message about Christ or the message of Jesus is the word of God. It is the divinely inspired truth of God, the truth of God for living and for dying. And the message about Jesus is to live in or to fill the life of Christians. It is not enough for a Bible to be near you. It is supposed to be in you. That is the difference, followers of Jesus, amen? Not that we have five on our bookshelf and three in our car, but that we are reading it, taking it in, and applying it to our life. When it fills us up, that's when we're able to pour out. In fact, one of the, one of the quotes I remembered on the spot, I heard it from a, a Christian pastor, a Christian leader. He said, basically, a Christian leader is one who is full of the word of God and ready to pour out from it. That's it. When you are filled with God's word, you are ready to give an answer for what you believe. You are ready to provide counsel based on what God has said, not what you think. It takes the pressure off of you. And so when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are filling ourselves with the word of God, we have the Bible in us. And as we read God's word, study God's word, trust God's word, obey God's word, our life becomes filled with the word of God and the truth for living and for dying. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
I have placed your word down deep inside me so that I will be obedient. Yet again, another system in scripture. We have the word in our heart and we live in obedience. God's word has not been written and kept together all this time for the sake of information. It's not another book on a library shelf that you can go there if you need to find something out. God's word has not been given for the sake of information. The word of God has been penned for revelation, salvation, transformation, and application. That is for all of us to put inside of us. And it's only when the message of Jesus, the message of of Christ, the word of God, when it fills in that we can pour out. 2 Timothy 3, verse 17 says, God uses scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Counseling, Christian counseling, biblical counseling, whether it be professional or whether it be neighbor to neighbor, is a good work. It is a work that's needed now more than ever, and the Bible says of itself that God uses Scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You know, in all my years, uh, and I say that, it's not been that many, but in all my years of ministry, or in all my years, goodness, of living, 40 years, in all my 40 years, I've never had anyone ask me for wisdom on how to maintain a garden or build a car engine. Not once. And they likely never will. Why? Because that material is not in me. It's not in me and it doesn't come out of me. No one sees me doing those things, right? Or I would say this, no one sees me doing them well. I mean, I can be up underneath the hood of my truck with a hammer or whatever and, hey, breaking it down. Even for most of you right now, you're going, why would you need a hammer? Exactly. That's exactly the point. And so, yeah, I would say to you that there's, there's no knowledge, there's no application that's seen in my life from those things. Now, to that, if you said, yeah, you're exactly right, man, nobody's going to come to you for gardening, they're not going to come to you for, for repairing a car engine, all those things, and you would say, well, we've all got our things, I guess. Well, that's right, but here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, then counseling from the Bible is your thing. You understand that, right? That doesn't mean if you can get up and talk in front of people or not. That's not what we're talking about. If you are a follower of Jesus, then biblical counseling is your thing because remember what we said in Ephesians 4.13. The equipping of the saints is so that we all together will become mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Jesus. Again, that, that doesn't take away the fact that we've all got different gifts, that God's called us and equipped us to different things, but we should be able to be filled up with the Spirit and the Bible and to pour out from it. So that answers the question, first of all, which is, again, am I supposed to counsel? And the answer to that is you're supposed to shine, and then the folks in the dark will come to the light. The second question is this. If it's true that we should be able to be biblical counselors as followers of Jesus who are growing in the maturity of Christ, then how should I prepare for that, right? You take this serious, you leave here and go, I am going to biblically counsel someone when they ask me to do that. And then you ask the question, well, how should I prepare for that? This is where it's about to get very practical. The first preparation you need to make, which this is not necessarily on you, it is on you in a way, but the first preparation you need to make to biblically counsel is very simple. You've got to care. You have to care which means you have to prepare your heart in order for you to help someone on behalf of God who cares for us. 
you must care for the person that you are trying to help. Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and let me uh, lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is a very personal psalm. God knows our heart. God knows our thoughts. That means that God knows if right now you're wondering whether or not you can help. That means that God knows right now when somebody is before you, if you are constantly doubting that he can use you to counsel with someone. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows your anxious thoughts over all those things. He knows if you care. He knows if you're constantly doubting. Caring is essential when it comes to counseling. Even if you would think that you are not great at it, the first step is to make sure that the other one knows that you are speaking with, that you actually care about being in the room and want to help them. Caring about the issues of another, this was the common response from all of the leaders that I talk to that have given and are still giving godly counsel. And it's very simple. We have to care because our Lord and Savior cares for us. He cares for us. The scripture in Psalm chapter 116 verse 2 describes, and this is one of my favorite verses, it describes God as bending down to listen when we pray. Now what does that posture represent? You think about when a child comes to you and is bashful and doesn't want to say something and they kind of drop their head, which is usually the posture that, that anybody, including and starting with myself, brings into a counseling situation. One of those where the head drops and goes, I don't even want to be in here, man. I, I, don't, even, I don't even want to be in here. I, I'm ashamed to even talk to you. I feel the guilt over my life or I can't, I can't even believe I'm here right now and, and all of these things. And, and the, the posture of God that we're shown in the scripture in Psalm 116 is that where God either bends down like towards a little child or when somebody's head's dropped, God kind of looks like this and leans over so that you see him and his posture to care. This is a posture of concern. God cares about what we're upset about. Part of preparing our heart is being still and knowing who God is. Before we counsel, if we know who God is, we know who we need to be. Caring takes place in relationship, does it not? Some of those counseling conversations you have, it's a no-brainer. You care so much about them because you're in a love, or love relationship, love is present. But it also takes place out of one's relationship with God. When you are in a right and real relationship with God, you care not only just for those who you care about, but then you care about all of those who God cares about, and that's everybody. And caring about the plight and problems of another is something that God's Spirit does in us when we are saved. When God saves us and His Spirit comes inside of us, the hardness of heart that didn't give a lick about anybody now all of a sudden has a compassion for them because when Jesus looked over the crowds and all of the needs that He had, all of the needs that they had, He had compassion on them all. That's what happens when you get saved. And if you counsel enough, and a lot of you in here know, I know that Many people have been to you several times for you to help them. If you counsel enough, you've got to be careful because it can become like another appointment. But you can't approach a conversation when someone needs help like it's another time slot on your schedule. There's also practical things that you can do to show that you care. This, again, is where it gets very practical. Somebody comes to you and they need your attention. They need you to help. And even if you yourself are thinking, no, I don't know if I can help you or not, here's some practical things that you can do to at least show that you care. 
One of them is don't sit behind a barrier. Seriously, like if you've got a desk, move out from beside your desk, sit there openly with them so it's not a business transaction, right? Secondly, what you can do is you can turn your phone off or you can turn it over. Sometimes I don't think we can even turn our phone off. So we, we can turn it over or put it on somewhere where it's not in front of you. Close your door. If it's an appropriate environment, appropriate environment, close your door. Uh, this, this provides uh, a, a, a very physical way to show you I'm listening and this time is between us and I will hear you. Give tissues and water. Like Set it up so that you know that you are there for that purpose so that people are going to talk to you and you are going to listen. Now here's a caution that comes with preparing your heart and a caution that comes with caring about others. Brother Dusty and I have talked about this quite often. Brother Eric and I have talked about this quite often, all of our lead staff. Sometimes you can get involved in counseling to where you care about the person's problem more than they do. And if you dive headfirst into somebody's issues when they've asked you to listen, when you dive headfirst into that without any guardrails and without any regard to time restraints or anything like that, you'll end up giving more of your life on an improper balance towards the problem than even they do. And this was also a good word from one of our leaders. If you hold on too tightly to other people's problems, it can also cause problems of your own. It can begin to work problems in your own family life, in your own personal life. But the first way that you prepare to counsel with somebody is to prepare your heart. Secondly, the way that you prepare to counsel with someone is very simple. It's you, you pray. When we pray, we factor God into his own work. Let me say that one more time. When we pray, we factor God into his own work. Wisdom and truth come from God. Prayer is depending upon God and seeking God for that wisdom and truth. And any Christian ministry that is prayerless, any Christian ministry that is apart from prayer is a Christian ministry that is apart from power. Because I believe in the power of prayer because I believe in the power of God. Therefore, if you separate yourself, any Christian ministry that separates itself from a consistent prayer life or consistency in prayer is one that is separating themselves truly from God, from depending upon God to do what only he can do. If you want somebody across the table for their heart to change, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot do anything with that. That is something that God does. And when we pray, we factor God in. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. If God gives wisdom, I think we ought to ask him. If he's glad for us to have it, and, and it's all the wisdom and truth of God, we should go to him for it. Now, here's another side note when speaking of prayer. When you are counseling Prayer can do a lot of things, not just before the counseling session, but during the counseling session. When you pray before the counseling session, it sets the tone of the session. Sometimes you can stop the counseling session so that you adjust the tone of the communication. And finally, at the end, this was brought to us by one of the leaders, when you pray after it's over, then you can offer gratitude for what God has done. When we talk about preparing ourselves to biblically counsel, you've got to care, you've got to pray, and then finally, you've got to commit. And by commit, we mean make a commitment that your counsel be biblical. Make a commitment that your counsel be biblical. I read this today. Scripture is both the starting point of counsel and the method. It's both where we get started and both where we see it through. Why? Because the Bible is the foundation of truth. You, you have an option right now. Many people have an option. I mentioned this last week. There's a family that we know of that's going through a terrible time 
one half of that family sought counsel. They went to professional counseling, specifically not biblically related, because why? They know what they're going to get when they get there. They already know what it says. And so they separate themselves from that, and when they do, they feel better, but they're still outside the truth. So any kind of counseling that you would give that we would call Christian counseling is going to be one where the counselor is committed to the truth. We are committed to counseling from the starting point and the method, which is both the Word of God. The Bible is the foundation of truth over our feelings. Some of you us need to hear that tonight. The Bible is the foundation of truth over our experiences. The Bible is the foundation of truth over anyone's culture. And those are the factors that people bring up in counseling. They talk about the way that they feel. They talk about the way that they were raised. They talk about the expectations they have based on what they had or didn't have. In counseling, they're going to bring up the culture that they grew up in. It's Christ over culture. It's the Word of God over feelings and experiences and context. And we said this last week, but it's worth quoting again. When our perception of reality is refuted by God's Word, we need to change our perception. Another way it was said is this. If the Bible doesn't line up with your way of thinking, then change your way of thinking. And that's the truth. So why do you have to make a commitment that your counsel be biblical? Let me tell you why. This is why you have to make a commitment before you ever hear what's going on that your counsel will be biblical. Because you and your flesh will hear the other person across from you talk about what's going on in their life and explain all the injustices, and it'll make you fight mad too. So if you don't commit to providing biblical counsel, you'll want to flip tables over that maybe God would want to keep on its right side. You understand? We're, we're people too. And you also have to use discernment when you're sitting across one person and it's a personnel issue. When you're sitting across from one person and that one person says, all of these things are happening, we'll be ready to punch somebody square in the face without hearing the other person's side at all. That's another biblical point of, of contention as well. Everything seems right until you hear the other side. So there's wisdom involved in that as well. But the Word of God. The Word of God is the commitment that we make to communicate from, to judge by, to discern from. The Word of God, think about what the Bible says of itself and what we know to be true. The Word of God stands forever. There are times in the Scripture when the Word of God was covered up over the years and then the Spirit of God and the work and the sovereignty of God uncovered it. And then the, the Josiah gets it. I believe it's Josiah that gets it and he stands before the people and he starts reading it and everybody starts crying and getting back in line with the Word of God because the Word of God doesn't go away. It stands forever. We're going to go away. Our opinions going to go away. Manuscripts, our journals, all those things going away. Our Facebook posts, our Twitter posts, all the Instagram pictures, those things going away. Word of God stands forever. That's why we counsel from it. The Word of God, the Bible says of itself, it's alive, it's powerful, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Word of God is inspired of God, not of man. It is useful to teach us what's true, to expose what is wrong, and it corrects and it cuts. I reference these scriptures to tell you that God's word is reliable. And because it is, it's enough for your counsel. And if, you, if your counsel is biblical, when your counsel is biblical, it will also explore the greater needs with the person that's sitting across from you, which could very well be salvation and discipleship. So that's how I prepare, right? We, we, we are going to prepare by praying. We're going to prepare by caring and committing. And finally, this is what we do. What do I do? 
The first thing when you are biblically counseling, somebody has come to you for biblical counsel, the first thing that you have to set before them is, is not to delay. Don't delay. Now, here's what we mean by that. This is a scripture I love to quote for a number of reasons. I love this scripture. It's Ecclesiastes 11.4. It says, A farmer who waits for perfect weather will never plant. If they watch every cloud, they'll never harvest. Man, you can use this in a ton of different ways based on the principle. You can use it in leadership. If you're just waiting on the stars to align, that's when we'll move. You'll never do it. If you're waiting to be counseled and you're thinking to yourself, we know we need to go talk to somebody, and we'll go talk to somebody when you'll never go. See, it's that, it's that principle. If you're waiting for the perfect time, you're just going to continue waiting. The same thing is true in counseling. If, if when somebody comes into your office that's scheduled a time with you, somebody comes into your home that's scheduled a time with you and wants you to counsel with them on whatever it is, if you do the Southern culture thing where we sit there and talk about everything in the world for 25 minutes, you've taken up half the time. It's true. I, I've explained this. This was so funny to me. We have, and I love this, we have different people in our church, and as, as the years go by, we have people from different cultures, different states, and it's interesting to see the cultures that are represented in our church. And, and I had someone come in today that sat down. He's from the South. We talk about things. All of a sudden, we're 10 minutes in, and then we get to something. I had a guy that's not from the South who is awesome. He, I mean, this is, again, the other guy was awesome, too. I just let me make this point. He comes in, he sits down, he goes, all right, here we go. Let me tell you what I want to talk about. It wasn't asking about anything, anything else. It was like, we're here for business. Now, when you are counseling, you can really take a lesson from that because what counseling communicates, if you care and if you're there on purpose, then if you get straight to the point, that actually presents to the other person, I'm ready to hear you and I'm ready to help you. If you take up 30 minutes of time talking about everything else in the world, what does that tell the person across from you? I don't know if I want to do this or not. Man, let's just run out the clock because in 15 minutes you're going to have to go anyway. Think about these things. Don't delay. If you're waiting for perfect weather, you'll never plant. If you're watching every cloud, you'll never harvest. So use phrases like this. Sit down. How you doing? You doing good? How's your family? It's not too good. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going on. Go ahead and get to it. Or maybe you could just ask this. How can I help you? I know you're here. We made an appointment. How can I help you? According to one Christian counselor, off-the-subject comments delay getting to the point, and it may decrease the person's willingness to be vulnerable. Secondly, when you ask the question of what do I do, this was the across-the-board leader response, again, with caring. you got to listen. You have to listen. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, We must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. What is anger? It's a response. That's what it, in the context of the scripture. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to respond. Every leader that contributed to this that I spoke with emphasized that care comes with listening. Listening is, is, is communicating more care than, and, than all the things that you know. Listening, not knowledge, communicates that you care. Listening sets a tone for a personal approach instead of a professional approach. An attitude of care is key when, when trying to help. Seriously, if there's something I, I, with all my heart, want to tell everybody that listens under the sound of a microphone here at Lindsay Lane, it's this. No one should feel shame when they admit their need for help. No one. 
There should be no shame when you come to someone and there's something that's going on in your life. There's brokenness, there's issues, there's hurt, there's pain, there's emotional things, personal things, there's marital things, family things. No one should feel shame. And the way that we help them to get to that point is we listen. A listen takes an attitude of care. Think about this with me. We've, we've all been sick, right? We've all been sick. And mo- I, would, I, would, I, would, I would raise our hands tonight, but many of us have been in the hospital. We've had to go in for special care. It's the same thing for personal issues, same thing for spiritual issues, same things with emotional issues. We are people who are broken and in need of God. We are people who are in need of each other. We are all in need of biblical counsel. I'm thankful for the people in my life that give it to me and stand ready when I ask for it. Listening to tell you the truth, and my wife's sitting here on the very front row and could, could speak to this as I speak to it for myself. Listening is not something I'm great at. It's just not. And all the men said. No, okay, it's just me. You got it. All right. Yeah, none of y'all want to share this experience. Understood. Listening, listening is not something I'm great at. And truth is, I'm probably better in intentional counseling conversations at listening than I am just one-on-one and especially at home. And truth be told, when, it, when in counseling situations, when I, early in ministry, this was something that I was terrible at. Terrible. People would start in on what their problem is, and by the time they got halfway in, I wanted to go on and fix it so they could leave, and I wouldn't feel as awkward. Right? I went straight into fix-it mode. Well, this is what you need to do then. This is all you need to do. And I received this, this kind of treatment yesterday on the phone, by the way. They, we've had something going on at the house. Brittany and I have had a housing issue. We both called the same place. We're trying to get this resolved as we have called customer service. Now, if any of y'all work in customer service, you're still accountable to God even though we can't see you through the phone. <laughs> you hear me? So... We had made a call to customer service. And the response from the lady on the other end, if I could sum it up to you, is basically this. Yeah, we don't want to send anybody to help you. And she didn't say that, but that's what she said. Do you hear, what, do you hear me? That's, that's what she said. We don't want to send anybody to you. We don't think it's worth it. You're wasting our time. Is there anything else? So basically what she was saying to me was, nope, don't care. Like all the things that I was saying too, I felt like I was like, Lord, by the Spirit of God, please help me not to go off in this woman. Because I feel like I'm trying to tell her with, with all the calm that I can gather exactly what's happening, and she's just shutting it down. I'm like, is it five? Like what's happening? So counseling is so much about listening. Listen to this. Counseling is so much about listening for what you need to hear as much as it is formulating what you're going to say. Say that one more time. Counseling is so much about listening for what you need to hear as it is formulating what you're going to say. And taking time to listen gives you time to listen not only to the person, but also time to listen to the Holy Spirit. When you are listening, and I can attest to this from experience, God's Spirit is working in you together with His Word to provide the words that you need to say to counsel. But it doesn't happen if you're talking the entire time. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches the believer. It's the Holy Spirit who reminds the believer of the message of Christ. During premarital counseling, I do this, Brittany does this with me together. We do this a lot. Uh, What we'll do in the very beginning, and I'll tell anybody that's done premarital counseling with us, I talk 
for a, a good bit to start off with because the way that we start off is, is the standard and the method. We read the scripture based upon what it says about marriage from the Bible. And then I'll tell them this, after this, I'm gonna ask you questions and I'm gonna hush and I'm gonna let y'all talk to each other and talk to me. And, and during that time when I ask questions, what Brittany and I both are doing is we are sitting there and we're listening for anything that may be a red flag, like in-laws, y'all hear me? Like money, right? Like experiences before then. That's what we're, we're looking at, past relationships and have they talked about those things or not. One of the things we ask them is, tell, tell me a little bit about uh, why you love the other one, right? Some of the questions when we ask this, like a question like that, I think I've shared this before, but the answers that Brittany and I are looking for are not like, she's so fine, man, she's so good looking. <laughs> Great, good start, right? <laughs> like he's so cool. Like nobody hardly ever says that. I've only had one family and they're still married. God bless them. But <laughs> when, when, when they said that, I thought to myself, I was like, well, this is off to a bad start because I don't even know if y'all know each other, right? But we're listening and the whole time we're listening, so at the end, at the end, we can bring some things up that they at least need to think about. Counseling is so much about listening for what you need as much as it is for what you're going to say. And then finally, when you think about uh, biblical counseling and the things to do, it is to uh, discern a response. I have read the, um, this is not finally, we got one more after that, but this is next to the last. And I've read the following and I think this can be very helpful. Biblical counseling requires the interpretation of scripture and the interpretation of the person needing to hear the scripture. The person trying to help must ask, who is this person, what are they facing, and how do they understand the world? That's good. So not only are you interpreting the Bible, it's you're interpreting the person that you are counseling to. Who is this person, what are they facing, how do they understand the world? One of the leaders that we talked to here when she's counseling, she said she keeps the following questions in mind. Where are they now? Where do they need to be? Where have they been? And where do they need to go? What we're getting to is when you are discerning a response, discerning a response from somebody that is seeking you for counsel, it has much to do with discovering the real problem. Like what's really going on? And what's the real cause of all these things? And in order to get to that, you have to ask questions, thoughtful questions. Proverbs chapter 20, verse five says, Though good advice lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. Say that one more time. Proverbs 25, though good advice lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. And good, thoughtful questions help to draw it out. Ask context questions about their family and life up until this point. Ask background questions. Ask questions like, would you tell me more about that? When they bring one thing up and you think it's important, all right, unpack that a little bit. What does that mean? Tell me a little bit more about that. When counseling towards reconciliation from, for one person towards a, a grievance, as I've mentioned this before, if I'm ever talking to one half of the relationship, usually what I will say is something like this. All right, so tell me now if they were sitting in this other seat what they would say, right? When, when you think for the other person, even if they're emotional and mad, they're probably going to say something like this. Well, if they were sitting there and if they showed up on time and stuff like that, but when they cut through the emotion, they say, what they probably would say is this. And more times than not, they even understand it themselves as the truth. Questions for understanding also help you understand if there are deeper spiritual issues. It's in a trusted time of counsel that many realize that they need to be forgiven of God themselves because they can't find themselves within him to forgive someone else. It's, it's trusted time of counsel where many 
acknowledge their need for a Lord and Savior. I remember a, a, a friend of mine, as we were talking, I've shared this before, as he was talking about the life that around him that was crumbling and falling apart, I, we began to talk about God that, that is his creator and sustainer and savior. And as the power penalty over sin because of God, I remember asking questions, and man, is, this, is any of this personal to you? Has any of this ever been personal to you? Asking questions helps you discern the truth. And then when you are discerning, as we go back to the point once again, which is discern a response, discerning a response has to do with carefully communicating the truth. Carefully communicating the truth. There's a show called Parks and Rec. This is not an endorsement of that show. I'm just telling you it's on there. I saw a short video clip. There's a show, there's a, there's a, um, there's a character in that show. His name is Ron. And Ron is kind of a tough guy. Like he's a man's man, doesn't want anything, anybody to think that he's not tough. And he created a handbook for a group of Boy Scouts on the show as he was the leader of that group of Boy Scouts. He said, this is our handbook. And he opens it up and it says, be a man. And he closed it back. <laughs> That's it. Well, listen, man up is sometimes the answer. But listen to me, it's definitely not all the time. It's definitely, definitely not all the time. There's a time when people are complaining and they need to be content that you tell them to man up. But more times than not, there's something deeper going on. It's definitely not all the time. And to think that would be a lack of discernment and a terrible communication of the truth. You know, we get to the same thing with the scripture. Here, just take these two Bible verses and call me in the morning. This is just fix everything, right? That doesn't communicate care either. If a, if a married couple comes into my office, and I, I, I speak this way about a lot of the, the merit, because a lot of the counseling we would do is, is premarital counseling and then postmarital counseling. But sometimes when a couple is in my office, guys, I'm just going to tell you what I don't lead off with is, well, Malachi 2 says God hates divorce. Y'all got it? That should be enough for y'all to toughen up and get through this. That'd be awful. And that, doesn't, that, that's, that may be you say, well, it is in there. Well, that's not the truth in love. That's, there's no grace in that communication. It's just throwing Bible verses out. Those are quick replies. It tends to make people feel stupid. Makes them not want to come back. It also communicates, I don't want to listen to you anymore. So here, take this medicine. This is super awkward for me. Then go on home. Ephesians 4 or 5. Ephesians 4 or 5 speaks to a mature believer. Speaking the truth in love growing every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. It even makes me think when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well. Right? There's his time taken up with her there. Didn't let her off the hook. And she came away with being counseled to, to know the truth of who she, that she was in front of. There was no hell, fire, brimstone, verse of scripture and send her off and you've had five husbands or four i can't remember how many it was you've had a handful of husbands shame on you woman up get out of here there's none of, there's none of that speaking the truth in love growing in every way more and more like christ who is the head of his body the church when the truth of the word listen to this when the truth of the word of god is coded in love it will come out with compassionate, nonverbal posture. It will, it will come out in your posture when you're counseling. There won't be any eye rolls and sighs and slumping down in your chair like, is this ever going to be over with? 
If you're communicating the truth in love, it will be coated with love, it will be a compassionate posture. It will say things, though, that are the truth. And these are things that we've said before. Hey, man, sometimes you've got to put childish things away. That's the truth of the Scripture. For men, sometimes it's that word that they need to hear. When I was a child, I thought I was a child. When I became a man, you've got to grow up and put childish things away. But saying it that way and going, man up, punk. <laughs> Some of y'all would hit me right in the mouth and drop me just where I stand if that were it. The truth in love will say, the scripture does say God hates divorce. And the reason why it says that God hates divorce is because marriage is an illustration of the way that Christ loves the church. And God doesn't step out of his church and God's not disloyal. He doesn't dishonor his church. He sticks with his church. That's why he hates it, because it misrepresents the covenant that he's made with his people. He doesn't just say God hates it. Send them on. The truth in love says, you were created in the image of God. That is the truth of the scripture. No matter what you feel about yourself, no matter what you feel about the shame and all the things that you've done, the Bible says that you're eligible for redemption. You are a person that is created. In the, you are the image bearer of God. You have value as you sit before me and before everybody else. So don't drop your head any longer. This is who you are. The, the Bible will say God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity. God has given us a sound mind, self-discipline, love, and the power. God has given us this. He's not given us this spirit of fear. I've shared this before. I'll never forget this as long as I live. Brittany and I, in our, I say our younger days, I feel super old. Brittany's like, you may feel old. I'm good. But when we went to, uh, we went to Fort Payne, and Brittany and I went rappelling. I've shared this before. We went rappelling uh, down the side of a mountain. And, um, and it was a, a lot of fun. And Brittany was way braver than I am. She was like, woo, as she scales down the side of the mountain. And I'm up there holding on to this rope like, God save me. <laughs> and there's this hippie who's like 25 years old. And when I say hippie, I mean, it's like, man, what's up, man? Like, seriously, I mean, he was, I don't know. That's probably judgmental, even though I think I'm spot on. But whatever. He, as I'm holding, I've got my feet like this and I'm hanging off the side of the mountain, and he's got the rope like this, and I'm going, man, I don't know about this, man. I start looking at him, he's like, don't look down, bro. I'm like, okay, bro. And, and, and then he looks at me, and he seriously, he goes, God's not giving us a spirit of fear, brother. Just like that. I want a power and love. Sound mine. And I'm like, cool, you weirdo. Get me down this mountain. You know what I mean? That's 100% true. And, and, of course, I'm going, I'm going, yeah, man, I know that. I got all that, all right? <laughs> yeah, God's good. You know, I think I responded with something like, yeah, he also gives you wisdom, and this is foolishness. It's foolishness. <laughs> but he, seriously, he carefully communicated the truth. He didn't chide me. He didn't tell me how much of a punk he is. He didn't say something like, I thought you were a pastor. You know, he could have. He didn't say any of that. He carefully communicated the truth. <laughs> the, the, final thing, the final thing I would encourage us all with after carefully communicating the truth is determine follow-up. Determine follow-up. Follow-up follow also communicates that you care. One of our counseling leaders said, it's okay to say that you don't know. Somebody's asked you a question, they need you to counsel, it's okay to tell them you don't know exactly what to tell them. There may be certain situations too where they just want you to listen, 
Maybe they don't need an answer. They're just needing you to hear them, but it's okay to say that you don't know. And it's better to not give them a wrong answer, and, or it's better to give them an, um, an I'll, I'll get back to you than to make up an answer that's wrong. Determine, when you're determining follow-up, determine, is this something you can help with? It may not be something that you can help with. When you're determining follow-up, determine if it's something that you're able to walk with them through. And then, if it's not, you have to determine who can you pass them off to. Now, pass them off is not one of these things where I can't help you, man, just going down to the next office. It's one of those things where you would walk with them to the next office or go with them through the next appointment so that you can help them through this next situation. It's not just passing on, but it's who can you offer to them that would actually be able to help you. Again, from our leaders, seek deeper training from professionals and gifted lay people who can help you counsel. And then listen to this. If you feel it's above you, pass it off or offer to go with them if you feel like it's above you. We watched this at Strength to Stand on, um, was that, Sunday night. Drove up to Gatlinburg, and at the end, Scott Dawson, the evangelist, was, he gave the invitation, and then he basically put out to the students, he said, hey, maybe they won't go because they're afraid to go alone. He said, why don't you turn and, and say to a friend to your right or left, I'll go with you if you want me to. That's super awkward, right? I mean, we're talking about, 12-year-olds through 18-year-olds, teenagers, and, and adults are thinking to ourselves, it'd be awkward for us. No joke, I turned and looked over my left shoulder. A middle school kid from our ministry, from our ministry, looks over to his right across the aisle. There's a guy standing there, and he goes, man, serious business. I'll go with you if you want me to. Just like that. Gosh, it gives me chill bumps. Let's to see that step of faith and growth. He said, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. It's just easier when you go with somebody at least to the next step so they don't feel alone. Ultimately, when we biblically counsel, we are ultimately trying to help those who are off course get on the right road. We are trying to lead those who are in a position of sin into a real relationship with Jesus or back into a right relationship with Jesus or towards the road of wisdom and spiritual maturity. That's really what we're trying to do. We're just trying to help. And the more that we are feeding ourselves with the Word of God, walking in the Spirit of God. We are prayed up. We are committed to the Word. The better the chance is that we are able to help them. Amen? And as you grow in Jesus, and as your light shines, people that are in the darkness will come to the light. All right, 731. We're a minute late. Let me pray for us. Uh, I'll be behind again if you've got any questions to hang out, talk about it. And uh, we do have, I'll share this with you as we close, there are people here, uh, we, we have a team of counselors here. Now I say that with the truth that our counselors here are people that want to biblically counsel and help you. They're not certified professional counselors, but we have resources that we can provide to you that can get you to certified professional counselors if you would prefer that. But we have people here that have helped a ton of people and we would look forward to helping you as well. So don't put it off and wait on the perfect weather to plant because you never will, all right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. I thank you, O oh God, for, uh, Lord, the counsel that you provided to us. God, you have given us the resources of leaders in the church that I know for me personally have helped me over the years. God, I'm so grateful for the, 
the Christian leaders who have spoken into my life, the, the church members who have encouraged and listened and counseled. And Lord, may we be that for the relationships that we make. God, help us to uh, carefully communicate the truth and to prepare our heart to be committed to your word. Father, I pray for any in here today, Lord, that may be struggling, God, that they would know that they're not alone. Father, that there are many just like them, maybe not with the same issues, but issues nonetheless, because we are all broken in need of a Savior and a Lord and a Master and a loving God. And I pray, Father, that we would humble ourselves to the point of asking for help and that the church would be responsible to follow up. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a good evening.